Lord, you are good. And we thank you so much that we can be here this morning worshiping you freely. That in so many places across the world, people in secret have to worship you. But here we can boldly stand together, unified in public, worshiping you, singing to you. We thank you, God, for the struggles that you have given us. We thank you for the blessings that you have given to us. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus this morning that you would convict our hearts to take the blessings and to take the burdens, to use them for your glory, as that is why they're in our life. So Lord, as we talk this morning, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, for this is one of those sermons that five people could hear it five different ways this morning. And so Lord, in each one of our hearts, we need a message. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear the message you want to speak to us this morning. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. You can grab a seat. I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew. I'm very glad to be here with you this morning. Um, got a great passage of scripture. It's, it's really funny because as, as pastors, you would think that everything just always works out together and everybody gets along great, grand, and wonderful. But the reality of it is, is when we're doing these sermon series, um, there's certain scriptures that, that are kind of like our A-game that we really love. And, and, and what happens is, is, let's say with this passage, for instance, um, we as pastors are going through the book of Mark. What happens is, is each one of us really wants to fight over which sermon we get because there's certain passages we love. And so while we may look peaceful and calm up here on the stage, let me just tell you, sometimes the claws have to come out. And with this piece of scripture, I won. Um, because I love this little section of scripture. Because I feel like more than any other spot in scripture for me, I see Jesus at, at, at this fully God, fully man moment that I can really relate to. I can relate to the disciples and I can relate to Christ. And, and hopefully this morning as you hear God's word, in some way he'll speak to you. We're going to be talking about storms this morning. And so naturally as, as I talk about storms, I encountered a storm in my life. And I want to share with you real quick uh, a story. About 11 years ago, uh, I had a friend in, who was as, as adventurous as I was. And it was actually at this time of year. It was March. And if you remember, well, you probably don't remember, but 11 years ago, there was this weird weather pattern that was going on. And so we had these like 75, 70 degree days at the beginning of March, even in, in February, it was these beautiful days. And so I got the bright idea that, you know what, it's beautiful. I've been penned up inside all winter. I'm ready for some fishing. I'm ready to get out on the water and do something. And so a buddy of mine uh, and I, we went out uh, to Lake Arthur. We went up to Lake Arthur, and we, we went canoeing. And so I'm a very experienced paddler. I, I have done massive survival trips throughout the Everglades in canoes. And, and he, you know, he had paddled a couple, several hundred miles uh, in canoes, was an Eagle Scout, and was, was very um, experienced. And, and he was a lifeguard. And the reality of it was is, is we really knew what we were doing. Uh, we weren't a couple of guys who were just setting out on the water for the first time, uh, spinning the boat in circles. I mean, we, we could really put some, some motion in this canoe. 
And so what happens is, is, as I found out later, uh, during this time of year, when you have these really warm temperatures, what happens is, is you get all this snow and all this ice, and when the temperature warms up suddenly, all of that water runs into the, into the lake. You guys can probably figure that out. And so what happens is, is though it may be 70, 75, 80, 90 degrees out, the water temperature at the most is going to be in the very low 40s. And anything below 50 degrees you run severe dangers of hypothermia within minutes. I didn't know all that. I found out. And so what happens is, is it's a beautiful day, sunshiny day. There's some clouds off in the distance. And me and my friend were paddling, and we get out so far. We had a great afternoon, and we're on our way back. And as we're on our way back, we, well, we noticed some clouds, and so we started to head back. But the clouds came in quicker than I can even begin to tell you. If, if you know where Moraine State Park is or Lake Arthur, it's not some fantastically huge great lake. And in fact, it's, it's surprising how windy that lake actually can get. It was glass calm when we went out. And when we reached the very center of the lake, I'm not quite sure what happened. But I can tell you this. That very same day in Cranberry Township, just south of there, there was microbursts all over the place that caused damage, bent power poles down, bent light poles, blew the wall off of a bank. It was a crazy day. And so here I am with my friend. We're paddling, and this storm blows in. And I kid you not, uh, I am a fisherman, so I like to tell stories, but this is the reality of what happened. It went from being glass calm flat to looking like I should be crab fishing. It turned into, I can't even begin to tell you, we were paddling straight towards our navigation point, and, and, and in a canoe, you pick that nav point, you keep the front of your boat pointed at that nav point, and even if you're going sideways to the left or right a little bit, you're still going straight because you're keeping that. We could not keep the boat on a nav point because all of a sudden the wind picked up and was ferociously pushing us in a current. The water, white caps, began to come in over the sides of the boat. And before I could do anything, there was this, and I know Lake Arthur is not a humongous lake, it's not this massive lake, but this wave, the size of Wyoming, came out of nowhere. (laughs) And it struck us, capsizing us. And in the summertime, what would be just a mild inconvenience, all of a sudden became a fight for life. The moment my friend hit the water, his heart began to go into some kind of weird spasm. He lost his breath. He was not wearing his life jacket. And he began to seize up on me. I swam to him in a panic, telling him to hang on. And I took my life jacket off and I wrapped it around him and I swam off to get the other one that had floated away. What started out as a great day is now a fight for life. A fight for my friend's life. I had all the survival training you could possibly imagine for hypothermic waters to swift water. And and I can't begin to tell you the panic that was setting in when nothing that I was trained in to do was working because this was not a normal storm. The completely floatable, unsinkable canoe that we were in completely sank because of the coldness of the temperature in the water. I did write a letter, don't worry. And we found ourselves in trouble. At one point, my buddy, who was a lifeguard, swam away from me and he said, do not come near me. I said, why? We should stay together and keep warm. 
He said, if I die, I don't want to kill you in the process. When we're drowning, our body has a natural reaction to cling and grab and push up on whatever we can get a hold of. And in this moment, my friend swam away from me to die. I didn't understand why. He was a pastor. I was a pastor. We were faithful servants of the Lord. And I remember screaming out to God, crying out to God. And I'll be very honest with you. I survived. It's okay. You can breathe. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It was a terrifying moment that had it not been for several divine appointments that day, we would not have survived. The, the staff of that park is absolutely amazing. They came out and they rescued us after 45 minutes of being in, in uh, 40, was it 41 degree water, 39 to 41 degree water. We should have died within five minutes. But God was doing something. So when I read this story of the disciples... In this storm, a lot of times we can pick on the disciples and we say, oh, you guys walked with Jesus. You don't get it. I get it here. Because storms can be terrifying. Now, let me tell you this about the disciples. I'm going to start. In this scripture passage, we find ourselves at the Sea of Galilee. And right before Jesus and the guys set out into the water, Jesus is doing this massive teaching to a group of people at the Sea of Galilee. One of the key things he's talking about is faith. He actually, this is where he talks about having the faith of a mustard seed. If you have the small, teeny bit amount of faith, not even amount, just, any, just if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it can move a mountain. He says, if you will have faith the size of a mustard seed, I will move the mountain. And it does says in the scripture that he took his disciples aside and he explained to them what it all meant. See, we're blessed enough to have the parable. The disciples got the one-on-one time with Jesus. They got the actual meaning. They got the literal, like, this is what I was trying to say, guys. This is how I want you to teach this. So when you talk about this parable of the mustard seed, gentlemen, I want you to understand this. You know what faith is. And here they are at the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is known. It's not a very big lake. It's this body of water that has these temperamental conditions to it because of the geography of where it's at. It sits below sea level, but at the footsteps of a massive, massive mountain chain. And so what happens is is these very fast winds will whip off the mountain chain, hit this lake, and cause tides and cause waves and craziness that we can't even begin to imagine. Some of you have been to the Sea of Galilee with John Guest and got to experience that firsthand, as I was told after the earlier service. There are signs along the Sea of Galilee that uh, interpretation basically say this. Park at your own risk because the fluctuation of the water from the storms can be so swift that it can actually go up and swamp your car and pull it into the lake. The Sea of Galilee is not to be messed with. The other thing that's, that's going on here is you've got the disciples. What was their primary job before they met Jesus? They were fishermen. Have you ever seen The Deadliest Catch? Have you ever seen these shows on television with these fishermen? These guys are nuts. I mean, you can laugh about that. When, when the disciples are saying that this storm is going to kill us, these aren't a couple of like, new guys who just bought their brand new boat, don't even know how to turn the thing on and get out and the wind blows and they get a little splashed and they're freaked out. These are vocational, professional fishermen who are used to sailing on the Sea of Galilee. So for them to actually make the statement, oh, we're in trouble, you know that this storm was not just your average storm. 
that this was something ferocious, something mighty. They set out across the sea and they were decimated by this thing. They said the water was coming in over the sides of the boat. And I don't know about you, but the storms in my life sometimes will cause me to panic as well. We look at the disciples and we say, well, guys, Jesus just told you about faith. Just have faith in God and you'll be fine. It's easier said than done. Amen? There's Jesus. I love Jesus. God has such a great sense of humor. Because here's these professional fishermen, these guys that did this for a living, that know what the storm of storms are. They're in this boat. And there's Jesus in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion. I mean, think about that picture. Think about what that must have looked like. You're in a boat full of 13 guys. Everybody's freaking out. Water's pouring in over the side. You're bailing water out of the boat so fast, you can't keep up with it. The wind is blowing. The rain is coming down. I'm sure that this was some stinging rain that was coming down on them. This wasn't some simple little like fluttery rain. I'm sure it was angry wind. I'm sure that the boat was tossing and turning. And there's Jesus, sleeping. So the disciples have a reaction to this that is really mind-boggling. And I'm going to read it to you because the scripture is just that good. The day when, uh, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Uh, there... Uh, were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now imagine this. This guy just talked to you about faith. You're on this boat with him. It's storming so ferociously. It's storming so bad. He's in the back sleeping. You're up here panicking to death. And the boat is going down. Jesus is sleeping. What would you do? You would have done the same thing. You would have looked at him in the back, given him a kick and said, get up, man. If anybody's got the opportunity to do something about all this, you're going to be the one to save us, Jesus. We can't control this storm. And so Jesus gets up. And I think this is a beautiful moment because this is where I see God and man fully colliding together. Because Jesus gets up. He doesn't go, well, guys, don't worry. I'm sorry I offended you. I'm sorry I made you mad. He doesn't do that. He doesn't get up and sit down and grab a bag of dice or a Ouija board or some kind of other affectionate object and begin to proclaim a higher power. He gets up in that moment, and I love this about Jesus, and he says, stop it! Be quiet! And at that, there was calmness. And it just doesn't say that it was like the wind quit blowing. Because as a nautical guy, I I love to go out on my boat. I love to fish. If the wind dies, as sailors can tell you, it's it's actually not a big deal. It, It happens. But what is absolutely amazing is that the water is calm. If you've ever put a kid in a bathtub you know that the water is never calm after the storm. And so what happens here is it says before the disciples, they were afraid. It uses the word afraid. 
And afterwards it goes, he got up, rebuked the wind and the wave. He said, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and he was, it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He didn't ask them if they had great faith. He said, no faith. It says this, they were terrified. You mean Jesus wakes up, calms the storm, and now you're terrified? They said this, and I want you to imagine yourself sitting on that boat, what you would be feeling in that moment if you had seen this great thing play out. They said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Do you realize that water is associated with everything evil in this time period? Everything that was impure, gross, disgusting came out of the depths. Every type of monster or tragedy that you read about in, in, in most of history, it refers to the depths. And so there's a natural fear of the water. And so when Jesus gets up and he says, quiet, be still, and the earth and the wind and the waters obeyed him like an obedient dog, there is something bigger going on that to us goes, that's just Jesus. But to the disciples who have seen him do miracles, have, have heard him teach, they have just witnessed an act that only God could do. They could not control the storm. No force to man, no, no demigod, no little God could, could do what Jesus just did. He silenced the raging sea and it was calm. This is a divine claim by Jesus. Yeah, they're terrified because they just asked him, do you really love us? If you loved us, Jesus, you wouldn't let this storm hit us. Don't we think that? Don't we feel like in our lives, well, Jesus, I follow you. You know, I'll do this. I'm a pastor. And, and God, you know what? I serve you faithfully. Why are you allowing this to happen? And in your life, whether it's a sickness that you're going through, a divorce, a loss of a loved one, a child gone astray, or a, I don't know what the storm is in your life, but maybe you're going through something in your life, and we've all made the answer ask this question. We've said, God, why? Don't you love us? One of the hardest things I had to come to grips with as a believer is that it is because God loves me that he allows me to go through storms. I can't always explain it. But I'm not God. And he has a perfect will, a perfect plan. And I'm going to tell you right now, the storms in your life, God will use them. It wasn't wrong for the disciples to be afraid. What, it was, what was wrong is that they had no faith. Jesus doesn't say, have you little faith. He doesn't say, well, where's your great faith? Where's your super awesome faith? Where's your education? Where's your, where's your status in your society? He doesn't say that. He says, why have you no faith? You think about a, a couple of hours before this, maybe even an hour before this, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the mustard seed. One of the smallest of all seeds comes forth this massive thing. And he's saying, I want you to have faith in me. When Jesus says, don't, don't you have any faith? He's not saying, aren't you some kind of fantastic, awesome, super sanctified Christian? He's saying, 
Why are you putting faith in something other than me? The boat's not going to save you. I'm going to save you. What Jesus is saying to his disciples in this moment, it's not the potency of your faith. It's not the quality of your faith. As Tim Keller puts in his book, King's Cross, he says, it's the object of your faith. And what happened is that the disciples took their eyes off of Christ and instead of keeping faith in Him, think about this. Here is the Son of God sleeping in a disastrous storm. This thing that is swamping their boat. I'm going to tell you what. When this earth, when this nature, when this world, as gross and ugly as it is, throws the nastiest stuff it can possibly throw at us, Jesus is so confident and comfortable in His Father's perfect and pleasing will that He can sleep comfortably on a cushion knowing that everything's going to be okay and if we have that type of big God we need to have faith in him he didn't tell us we weren't allowed to be afraid he didn't tell us we weren't allowed to cry out for help he said have faith have any faith but have it in me when you think about Peter stepping out on that water when Jesus said come out on the water with me It wasn't that he was this great, I have faith the size of a mountain. It doesn't say that at all in that story. What it says is he kept his eyes on Jesus. Oftentimes we we, we use this passage of scripture to talk about the potency of our faith. But the reality of it was is that scripture passage doesn't talk about the potency of faith. That scripture passage talks about the object of our faith. When he steps out onto the water, he keeps his eyes on Jesus. I'm sure as he stepped out on the water, he was going, this is pretty crazy. This storm is nuts. This is kind of awesome. I just got to keep focused on the king. And it is when he took his eyes off of Jesus. His faith went on something else other than Jesus. He began to be succumbed or sunk into the waters. We have storms in our life. And it's a hard thing to understand why sometimes. But God will use them in your life. And so the question I have for you this morning, church, as the storms rise in your life, is the object of your faith God? Is the object of your faith Christ? Or are you putting faith in men, in money, in occupation, in status? Because the reality of it is, unless the object of our faith is Christ, the boat will sink. One thing is a guarantee in this life. Nature will kill you. Every one of us. It's a curse. It's going to happen. Something about our humanness, it will destroy our earthly body. You think about Jonah. Here's Jonah, this guy sent by God on a mission. He was disobedient to God. When the storm rose up in his life, he recognized that he was at fault. He said, throw me in the waters and I will calm the storms. So they threw him in the waters and God did deliver him from a physical death. Here we have Jesus playing out this same story. God said, I have a mission for you. Jesus says, I will go. He says, I'm going to throw you into the storm, the storm of the cross. 
As I said, nature will kill us. We will all die a physical death. But when Jesus was thrown into the storm, he didn't save us from a physical death. He didn't save us from inconveniences here on this earth. He, didn't, he wasn't thrown into this cross so that he could be a celestial Santa Claus giving us every little thing that we ever wanted. He was thrown into the storm cross because he was going to give us what we needed. And that was a savior. The death that Jesus died on the cross spared us from the death that we all deserve, an eternal death, an eternal damnation. And so when he asked the disciples, don't you know that I love you? He's saying, guys, the reality is, is you should have just curled up next to me on that pillow and relaxed because God is good. I have a plan. You need to have faith in me. As a high school pastor, I get to talk as the students a lot about their prayer life. And one of the things that's said to me more than anything is, I really struggle with my prayer life. I really intend to do it. I really try to do it. I'll, before I go to bed, I'll lay down and I'll start praying to God. And what happens is, is halfway through, I end up falling asleep. And they say, I feel so bad, I just quit trying. And I use this analogy all the time, and if you've heard me say it before, forgive me, but I ask them the question, well, why do you even feel bad about that? Because I'll be real honest with you, the most intimate time I have with my kids is when they crawl into my lap and start rambling at me about their fears, about this, and I know it's going to be okay. And they start talking and then they fall asleep in my lap. And I just sit there and hold them. And those are some of the most beautiful times for me. And I'm here to tell you right now, God's no different than that. He desires for us to fall asleep in his arms. Just as he desired Jesus was working his tail off, doing the work of God, Jesus was in the right place. He was curled up and asleep because he knew he was in the Father's lap. When the storms hit our lives, can we crawl up into Jesus' lap and fall asleep? Knowing fully well that he has saved us from ultimate death. Knowing fully well the storm may hurt. The storm may be tough. But because we have a Savior who loves us, we will make it through that storm. We may look different. We may sound different. We may smell different. Because I'm sure the disciples were sweating pretty good on theirs. But the object of our faith must be God. I want to share a quote with you from Tim Keller. Excuse me, N.T. Wright. He says this, When the forces of evil are roused and enraged and are threatening, Jesus is so confident in the presence and the power of God that he falls asleep on a pillow. It's not necessarily the quality of our faith but it is the object of our faith, as little or great as it may be. In who are you putting your faith? So that's my question to us as a congregation today. Because the reality is, is we all have storm stories. Some of them are natural stories like I have. But I've got hidden ones too, just like you, that I have to struggle with and I have to trust God. And each one of us, this sermon hits us in a different way. And so I'm going to ask you an honest question. 
Where's the object of your faith? In whom are you putting your faith? Because if you can't answer God, then you need to spend some time in prayer. And for a lot of us, sometimes it's not the answer. I mean, that's not what we say. We're a work in progress. God is looking for us in the storm. Did you know that? He's searching for us. Won't you pray with me? Lord, it's almost anti-cultural to us to be still. And even as we sit here in these quiet pauses, Lord, we get uncomfortable. Because, God, we're a people that love to know what's happening next. We love to be in control. But the reality of it is, is the storms of life, the storms of this world are out of our control. In fact, you're out of our control, God. And that is why we're terrified. But, God, I pray that you would help us to keep our faith focused on you. Help us to keep our sight focused on you. So that as each of the storms that brew up in our lives hit us, we may stand firm in you. Because ultimately, you paid the ultimate price on that cross for us, Jesus. You spared us from death. We need to confess our sins and believe in you and repent, Lord Jesus. You're the best storm shelter there is, God. And I pray that our focus is on you and not on the things of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.